0: The Subway Sports Talk.
1: Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please.
0: All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. This is the second installment of SST Subway Sports Talk. This time around, we're not talking baseball. We have the NBA Outsiders in the building. First and foremost, my guy, since day one of the podcast, me and you, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, brother?
2: Petey, what up, what up? How we doing
0: today? Dude, wonderful. Basketball, so close. Tasting it. I could literally smell it, I think, or something like that. Uh, couldn't be more excited. We're talking about real NBA basketball that's going to count in like a few days, Duff. It's crazy. Uh, th- yeah, when this podcast comes out, it's going to be two more days. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, two is not a number for more guests on the podcast, which is a weird way to say that, We're minus Frank Villani, he's under the weather. Shout-out to Frank. Hopefully he's feeling better. I think he was a little bit, you know, his his back was sore after his uh, pair of doubles in his men's league game this weekend.
2: He didn't want to come out for his flu game. It's all
0: right. Yeah, he had no flu games in coronavirus. We we established this already, uh, but thankfully we got the fourth and newest NBA Outsider, I think we can say that now. He's going to be with us uh, pretty much week in, week out right now. Kyle Anderson, what's up, baby?
1: Awesome. What's, all, what's going on, guys? Happy to be back. Happy to uh, jump on the wave with you guys, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hell, reports. hell yeah.
0: Sorry to, to jump you there for a second. I'm just so excited. Uh, Kyle is with us here. So it's Pete, Kyle, and Duff here to talk all things basketball. Frank, will get you on here as soon as you're feeling better, hopefully in the near future. Um, but I think there's one place we need to start. Here And uh, surprisingly, I'm sure some things are going to be covered tomorrow by the time this comes out, but I didn't see any coverage for Monday morning podcast for Tom Thibodeau. So I don't know if we're going to be the first. I'm sure there's some out there, but the ones that I follow, not a mention yet. I'm sure it'll be discussed, but let's get out on this and let's talk about Tom Thibodeau, the new coach. Of the New York Knicks, I uh, put a little post on the Subway Sports Talk Instagram. So hit that up if you didn't see it. But we're going to be talking about it at more length here. So I kind of said my two cents on IG. So I'll I'll let you guys jump in four first. Cents,
2: four cents. Four minutes. Four cents. There you go. I'm only a pe-
0: <laughs> I'm only a penny a minute. Come on. <laughs> it's brutal out here. Be uh,
2: wrong. <laughs> but Duff, since you're hey, you said two cents, I doubled it.
0: Well, that's a good point. I appreciate that. You're always looking out for me. Sometimes. And I always do appreciate you as kind of like my leveler, because you're like this dude who's from the New York area, but you're not a New York sports fan in pretty much any sport. I don't think. I guess you were a Nets fan back in the New Jersey days, but now you've uh, New Jersey sports. You've taken your talent to uh, to the Philly, the greater PA, uh, greater Philly region. So
2: city brother love.
0: You're like my New York leveler, Duff. So just give me give me some Tibbs thoughts uh, with the Knicks, and maybe even what I said on the IG. But I, I would love to hear what you're thinking over here.
2: This is uh, the Knicks Bulls imitation 2.0. After they had Derek, they had Derek oh, Rose, God. they had Joe Kim Noah, and now they they got rid of them. And Tom Thibodeau's here with uh, Taj Gibson. So, so There you go. They must have Bulls realized 2.0. who the real Bulls
0: 3.0. <laughs> yeah, because the Timberwolves were already 2.0 that's a good point. I mean, they must've realized that Tibbs was the real force behind that. It wasn't Derek Rose's MVP season or anything like that.
2: No, no,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> didn't, didn't even think about that, man. That's good stuff. Didn't even think about that. But I like at this point as a Knicks fan, man, it's anything we can get that's positive. I'll take. And I think this is a positive hire. It's kind of a step in the right direction, I think. And, you know, it's not the, end-all be-all answer I think I think this guy I think he's going to be a bridge to the next guy but for you know where we're at right now as an organization I think that he's probably the best available head coach that you know is gonna establish a good culture for the program for the the organization and someone that's gonna you know kind of help these rookies like learn how to be a pro and you know all the players that he's helped establish and you know, prolong their careers for so long. Now it's, you know, hopefully we can get those careers, you know, in New York now for, for once. So. Uh,
2: I don't know if he's the best available coach. I would say uh, for the Knicks specifically, like Mark Jackson, honestly, like Pete and I were talking last week, I, we were just chopping it up and on a FaceTime and just talking about actually the, the Warriors for a minute and, how Mark Jackson was kind of set the foundation for what became the championship warriors, the way he stressed defense to those young players who were kind of up and coming Steph Curry, clay Thompson Draymond green, all those guys. So I, I personally, I would have liked to see Mark Jackson. I don't like this hire. I'm not a Tibbs guy. I'm a well-documented non-Tibbs believer can confirm, um, especially with a younger team. Like I, I don't, he, he has no positive rapport with young players aside from, I guess, Jimmy Butler when he was with the Bulls, but uh, Jimmy Butler's a psycho, so.
0: <laughs> well, wait, let me let me just say this, and these are some of the points I made on the Instagram. Well, all the players who he took on, were not were that, I guess they were there, actually, in Chicago when he arrived after he took over for Vinny Del Negro. Luel Dang was there. He was only 24 years old. Derek Rose was only in his third year when Tibbs took over. Uh, Jimmy wasn't even there yet. Joe Kim was pretty young. Taj was pretty young. These guys all happened to be, like, legitimate, just tough guys who are going to grind. Uh, and, and that probably worked out in the Bulls' favor, like the perfect storm. But uh, also with the Timberwolves situation where the bad taste in the mouths of NBA fans really, you know, came about with the young players or lack their, the connection, lack of connection. Sheesh, my words are struggling right here. The lack of connection he had with young players in Minnesota, I think time proved that Tibbs wasn't at fault there. Because what did Wiggins do since he left? What did Towns do since he left? Other than continue to win 30 or less games and not really mean anything to this league other than some nice stats. I mean, Wiggins is gone. Towns is still there. Has D'Angelo Russell, but is there a real, you know, avenue for the Timberwolves to see themselves in the playoff soon? The last time they were there and they were sniffing, they would have been even higher if Jimmy didn't get hurt was Tibbs and Jimmy. So I think what happened in my brain was that I was so bitter about the lack of offensive progression from Tibbs, and I was upset with how it went down because I liked Jimmy. I liked Towns. I was lukewarm on Tibbs. I could take it or leave it. I didn't like the excessive minutes for certain guys. But when you really break it down, he's done this in the past 10 seasons. He he seems like this guy who coached in like 2002 for some reason. But he's done this in the past 10 seasons, multiple playoff appearances with MVP Derrick Rose, without MVP Derrick Rose, with Jimmy Butler in multiple occasions now. I don't think it's perfect. To say that I'm happy about the hire is probably slightly aggressive, but I am definitely erring on the positive side. And in my many mistakes of this Instagram video that I tried to record before posting, I, I used the term literally that even if Tibbs ends up getting Mark Jackson out of there before the Knicks become the contender, we hope they can. That's okay because if he can show us who the players are, To be trusted on both ends of the floor, to be trusted to play defense and compete at the highest level in the NBA, if he can show us if it's RJ or not, or Knox or not, Neil Keen or not, Mitch or not, even Julius Randle, that's a win in and of itself. And I mean, if there's betting odds on if he's going to last his full five years of the contract, just like hammer the no, even if it's minus a thousand. Like whatever, he's not going to make it five. It's almost unimaginable for him to make it five years. But if he could make a positive impact in three and then we move on to something better, that could be a nice step and a direction they haven't chose in the past couple of years with the Hornacex, Fisdales, Fishers of the world who are unproven or did something uniquely special in a uniquely situated team already, right? Like the Suns with their crazy point guard lineups and the Grizzlies with Conley and Gasol. So hopefully Tibbs can raise the floor And that's really all we can ask for.
2: And
1: I think that's why I think that it's not a terrible hire is just because he is, he's going to be the bridge guy. And hopefully, you know, you know, we're going to get to a certain point where, you know, it's going to be, oh, you know, the guys need to say, need a different voice, or we think we can take the next step. And hopefully that's when we get the Mark Jackson hire. That's, that's really, I'm trying to see like best case scenario. Where this is going to be a, like you said, a three-year contract. Probably fire him, or he, you know, resigns, whatever the case is, and hopefully we can get Mark Jackson. I, what I see it as is that we're going to avoid giving Mark Jackson this team with no one to coach, mm. and he's going to, you know, he's going to get bounced, and he's going to be blamed for it after three years, as opposed to now, Thibodeau can almost take the fall, and it'll be like, you know what mark jackson it's your turn now and now we have you to coach the team and we have guys that you know now you have an rj barrett that's a guy in his fifth year as opposed to his second year or you know a guy rich mitchell robinson that we talk about you know Mm who can take the next step and elevate his game now he is you know hopefully in the conversation of like you know top five centers in the league and he can come in and coach that as opposed to coming in and just coaching like almost like a YMCA team at this point right
0: now. That's some next level brain stuff right know. there, Kyle. That's like that's, that meme. i not really
1: like stressing
2: right now.
0: You know that gif where the guy's pointing to his head like, yeah, you didn't think about that, did
2: you? <laughs> that was some next level brain stuff right there. <laughs> He's a built-in fall guy already. Um, I, I, I don't know. I love that mentality though. Like you never want to go into a coaching situation and just be thinking about, okay, in three years when we fire this guy, like that's not – especially on like essentially day one before he even gets to the team right and you're talking about Tibbs being a bridge guy like in Chicago he was the bridge guy it went from like him to Fred Hoiberg who's already out of the league and then went to Jim Boylan who was basically like a poor man's Thibodeau um and he when he was in Minnesota he ends up going to Ryan Saunders and you're saying like they're not doing better off without you know Tibbs over there so And uh, let me tell you like two guys who are just going to get absolutely zero, like zero playing time on the Knicks next year as with Tibbs as the head coach, Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith Jr. They're just not going to play.
0: Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, is just not a Tibbs guy. Knox has to like really work on defense and he can get minutes. He has to like really work. I
2: don't think he, he seems like a bit of a gentle soul that it is not going to react well to kind of Thibodeau just screaming at you and someone who doesn't see this. I mean, look, Guys, Tom Thibodeau is a guy who in the it was around 2008-2009 It's probably when he got his head coaching job with the Bulls. He actually broke off an engagement to his future fiance and he was quoted as saying like some, I'm paraphrasing it was like uh I I can, I don't have time for a woman if I'm going to be, you know, a head coach of a basketball team like with or like if there's basketball there's no time for a woman. Like that's the kind of guy you're getting. He's so he's so intense in like in the way he thinks he can kind of outwork everyone else to a point where he'll succeed but this is the kind of league now where you got to be you got to work smarter not harder and you got to be efficient about things all we hear is efficiency and when he was with the Timberwolves I think they were last in three-point shooting uh in terms of attempts and makes I think it was in both but the Knicks I mean like if you want to know where that gets you the Knicks this past season were uh, like, the, uh, I think I read they were 29th in attempts and last in makes, and then they were like the worst team in the East. So what, <laughs> the, if, if that's, if that's the mentality he's going to bring the table, like I get it. He works like he's there when the, before the sun's up, he's gone after the sun goes down, but like that, okay, you're working really hard, but are you working on the right things? Of course. And is I, his mind In the right space. Like that's always the question with me and tips.
0: I think that's like all super fair and if you're a Knicks fan and you're not worried about those specific things with, you know, playing players too many minutes a and his lack of offensive progression, if you're not worried about those things then you don't know about Tom Thibodeau. I was saying before on the little IG poll which obviously is an incredibly small sample size and mostly people from the area, um, you know, they all voted yes that they're happy with the Thibodeau hire. I think happy is a little strong, even though I came out positively. And I'm still speaking positively on it. If you're not worried about aspects of it, you're not understanding the situation. And Duffy, that's why like you're, you're so important to have in this situation where me and Kyler are obviously clearly pulling for the Knicks' success. You kind of just don't care. You want them to be interesting. You, I'm sure you don't want them to do bad. And you really keep us level there. And real quick, before you jump back in, Duff, I have one more thing to say on Tibbs because I think this is really important. And I said it on Instagram. i got to say it one more time. He proved success with an MVP caliber player, Derek Rose, and that really great uh, cast of role players and, you know, sub-stars, if you will. You know, like Joe Kim-Noah probably made an all-star team. Little dang he was probably well, close at some point. At some points, uh, they had a good team, right? But he took them from 41-41 and 41 to 62 wins in his first uh, season as a head coach, off the jump. Then Derek Rose, you know, obviously gets hurt, and it altered his career. It altered the franchise of the Bulls, frankly without Derrick Rose for an entire season and just a 23-year-old Jimmy Butler who only started in 20 games despite playing in all of them, only averaged nine points, and they still won 45 games. They still won a playoff series, albeit against, you know, not a great Nets team. They still won a playoff series. And then again in Minnesota, he proved when they had the playoff caliber star, they put wins on the board. And, And to me, the Knicks don't have the roster to be a playoff roster yet, but what you know you're going to get with Tibbs is at least performing, at minimum, what your roster on paper is supposed to do. And looking back at Minnesota, we know before the had Jimmy Butler that that roster is a 30-win team. And they're not that good. And that's what they performed at. No worse. Uh, and then in other moments, he's performed better than his team <clears throat> is written on paper. So, for the Knicks, I don't expect the most wonderful, great success out of Tibbs right away, especially unless there's some real talent increases here, but I expect them to play to potential and occasionally above potential and learn who is important and not important to this franchise.
2: Those are reasonable goals and expectations. And, and then I appreciate that about you. you're you optimistic, but you, you, you stay reasonable. Yeah, man. When you um, go into
0: a relationship, you know, you're not expecting to marry them right away. You're expecting to go on some dates, maybe hang out, then you meet the folks. And then, you, you know, there's a lot of things that happen before marriage, okay. you
2: know, just check the vibes. Yeah. I've vibe checked. Uh, all right. So with me, my Tibbs last words, and, uh, they're not going to be good ones. So. I don't know if you guys are familiar. You guys ever heard of the five stages of grief? Yeah. So for the, for anyone who doesn't know five stages of grief and the, they are, uh, this is usually reserved for people who have, you know, just really bad things happen in their life. Uh, five stages of grief: denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Okay. So that's usually what people go through when they have something bad happen in their life. And someone wrote an article, this Haley O'Shaughnessy from the ringer. This was back in May when, when the Knicks were first eyeballing tips and she was put an article together. said the five stages of tips. And the first one is toasting the hire. Everyone's excited about it. You know, the auspicious beginnings, you know, he starts off the season really well. He's, you talked about it. Like first bowl season, he went 62 games. Like they come out of the gate hot. They went 25 of the first 35. He goes to, uh, to Minnesota. They make their first playoffs in like almost 15 years. Uh, and then, you know, things start to change. You know, people start complaining. This is stage three. People complain about playing time and the practices and the long hours and, and the, the players start to get disgruntled. So what do they do? They move on to step four. They have the meeting, team meeting, players only meeting, the dreaded players only meeting. Uh, and then that usually is, is the, the sign of bad things to come. And that's when it leads to step five, the end. And things were so bad in Minnesota that he ended up leaving after a, like a 22 point blowout win against the Lakers off back-to-back wins. He gets kicked out the door, which is just insane. Like you never see that happen. Like, even if you, the writing is clearly on the wall, people will go after a loss. Like everyone, I can't think of another coach who got, who went off like after such a huge win, but. That's just kind of tips. I feel like he wears people down. He he wears people down. It kind of reminded, like, as I'm reading all this stuff about him and thinking about what he's going to be like when he comes to the Knicks and kind of like his stages of how things went in the other places. It kind of reminded me of uh, Jim Harball Harbaugh when he was with okay. the when he was with the Niners. Like, obviously, he had great success and almost made like almost won the Super Bowl. Like, was was insanely close to winning the Super Bowl. But like, players just kind of got sick of him. I got sick of his attitude, his intensity. Like he was always yelling at him, and this, that, and third. So he ends up going to college, and like Tibbs is kind of the same type of dude to me. He wears out his welcome wherever he goes. Um, so that's kind of what I'm weary of, and I hope he doesn't, you know, run these young players into the ground, And especially if the yeah. Knicks are going to hit on this next draft pick.
0: Yeah, and if you have sick hex like Jimmy Butler, maybe it works. But uh, some some of these regular folk who are like yeah. 22 nowadays, they ain't they, they ain't hardened up like that
2: yeah and and like Tibbs is not the type of guy who's like analytically gonna figure out how to win you games and really finesse people like he's really just tries to beat you down with blunt force and I feel like Jimmy Butler is kind of the same way where you can't you like I look at Jimmy Butler and I don't see like super elite scoring ability like Kevin Durant or like crazy defense like Kawhi Leonard or amazing like playmaking like uh like LeBron James he's just a guy who just wins games like like you can't really like point to it. Like at the end of the night, he, he's not super efficient. He doesn't dominate the backboard. He's not playmaking. But like, but he's he just still somehow on the court at the why. <laughs> he just makes winning plays. Yeah. Exactly. He just stays yeah. on the court, winning yeah. plays. Like, and that like kind of is what Tibbs is. Like he's a floor raiser. He'll he'll like just by sheer work ethic win you games. But I don't think it's enough to get you totally over the hump.
1: Yeah, I. I this is why I think he's going to be the bridge. I hope he is. I hope this is the answer. I hope he's the bridge for Mark Jackson. But, um, you know, that a lot of people were saying that over these past couple of off seasons, like he's actually been like going around and, you know, what, what all coaches do if they're out of a job, either they're an analyst or they go and watch practices and, you know, kind of like be a fly on the wall and watch all these teams, you know, orchestrate pretty much and one of the teams that I heard that he went to was to the Clippers and he went and saw Doc Rivers practice, like, you know, for a while, I think probably helped with their defense. I'm sure at some point, you know, there are articles that him and Tyron Lou were like helping out with their, with uh, their defense assignments. And he said that one of the biggest things that he took away from it was watching Doc Rivers rest his guys in practice. And he's saying like, you know, these guys are, you know, especially the vets, obviously are, you know taking days off in practice and obviously letting the young guys run and you know hopefully i'm not i'm not going to say like oh he's he's a new he's a new coach now and he's going to you know take the world by storm with his new approach but i'm just hoping that he takes that into some consideration and you know the importance of the relationships that he needs to have you know to have a successful you know organization like i'm sure after the last two you know uh you know, run-ins with as as a coach. I'm hoping that he's like learned at least at this point. Because if at I really think that this may be the last you know head coaching job that he has if he doesn't if this doesn't go well, or he's gonna be you know like a guy like uh like Mo Cheeks that's on the bench or uh, you know a guy that's
0: Sam Cassell, like,
1: right? Like a a defensive guy, which obviously isn't like, a bad yeah. thing, but you know this could. Potentially be his last opportunity if it doesn't go well. Right? You know, how many how many organizations are going to want to hire a guy that's always you know kicking you know running guys out and and they don't want to play for him?
0: Right. And yeah, it's tough because I'm I'm always kind of cautious when it comes to you know, New York guys or Nick guys, guys who like are apparently supposed to get it. And Tibbs coached as an assistant in the uh late 90s, early 2000s with the Knicks. He was there for the 99 run. He was also an assistant for the Celtics um, when they won the championship. Like that doesn't really mean that much to me. And then same with Mark Jackson being like a New Yorker, a New York guy, whatever. Like it almost makes it harder for me to to put that there because then there's just this better chance of Knicks fans having the last taste in their mouth be a bad one, but whatever. Besides the point, I think it's good talks on Tibbs. Now we have to wait and see who they draft, what they can do in the off season, and what we can expect if we're going to expect twenty eight wins, thirty eight wins, or maybe forty one wins next year from Yo, the Pete, from the next.
2: Pete, before we move on, I got a quick question for you. Since yeah, yeah. Frank's not here, you're the only New Yorker on the pod. So if we keep talking about Tibbs being the bridge guy, if Tibbs was a, a New York City <laughs> bridge. <laughs> okay and with, like which which bridge would he be and why
0: cool. oh my god all right this is a question that uh, all right so let me just say this i hope he's the Gothel's bridge because if you've driven over the Gothels bridge in the past like year they redid right. that thing and it is it's right wide big. it's wide Branded. open great spacing on the Gothel's bridge nowadays three,
1: I, was, I was just on it a couple of days ago
0: dude three awesome. pointers everywhere on the Gothels bridge so i'm hoping he's the Gothels bridge but he might be more of like a Williamsburg bridge where, you know, it's sturdy, it serves a purpose, and, like, it's, you know, it's kind of a landmark, so it's, you know, it's it's from the day. It's from the day. It's not a new-looking bridge. It's an old, famous bridge that probably could be better nowadays, uh, but... It gets the was, job done? I don't know. How's no, that answer? I was
2: kind of thinking, I was kind of thinking Gothless Bridge actually, because that goes from uh, like it goes from Elizabeth, Elizabeth New Jersey <laughs> into Staten Island. So it's just like to me, like that's just like a gritty, oh like there's a couple of gritty locations. Oh, like, I thought I spot the spot out here.
0: That was right. much nicer than I expected it to be, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is great. No, it's just gritty. Like that's just the hard working bridge right there. A lot of hard working people crossing that bridge every day. Shout out to my
0: dad. Yeah. He built, he helped build the redo on that bridge a little bit.
2: Shout out. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Yeah.
0: Same with the Bayon. Also last thing on the Knicks and Tibbs, uh, Mike Woodson and Mike Miller, both rumored to be part of the staff. I think that makes Knicks fans very happy. Woody, obviously like the last good coach that the Knicks had, which is, yeah. I don't know what All that's right. saying, but it's true. And uh Mike Miller, I think everyone's happy with what he's done so far with the organization. So shouts to that. All right, let's keep it moving though. Subway Sports Talk, we got Duff, we got Kyle, and we got me, P Kennedy, here on SST. Follow us on Subway Sports Talk on Instagram and Twitter, but well, that's a TLK on Twitter. Um, but now it's time to talk about real basketball games that are gonna count for season totals, gonna count for seeding, and realistically get these teams ready for one of the most bizarre chaotic and hopefully exciting playoff runs we've seen uh, in some time. And obviously a super unique one. Uh, But first off, super quick, let's only spend like a minute or two here. Just like one takeaway or general vibe check on the broadcast. What's the TV product looking like for you guys in these scrimmages? Obviously, I assume it'll be ramped up just a bit for the real games. But so far, what are your thoughts, Kyle?
1: I think it's, you know, it's pretty chill. Like it's it's like a weird it's like I don't know it's like a weird vibe just because the broadcasters you know they they feed off the the crowd and you know like a big you know a big shot you're like oh you know like Mike Green like bang like big big three at the end of the game and you know it's just kind of the scrimmage and you know we're I think we've been so you know so much anticipating sports just in general live sports and just to know that at least you know we have to wait a couple days but just to know that some of these games don't matter and, you know, the real players aren't in the game right now uh, at the end of the game, you know, in crunch time, it's kind of like, I'm kind of like indifferent about it. Cause I'm happy that we have sports, but also I'm just like, like, ah, uh, like I feel like, you know, the broadcast are, are reaching for something to to get excited about, but it's just like, you know, almost giving us updates.
0: You're still waiting for the real thing a little bit.
1: Right. So I think, you know, I think it'll change hopefully once the season starts but um yeah, I guess we'll, we'll figure that out so
0: absolutely I, I think one of the interesting things because baseball and basketball are both happening right now is where I feel weird about both of them and what I've been hearing about both of them so I've heard probably more you know in like the you know different podcasts I listen to and, and, and shows and whatnot saying that baseball yeah. feels weird and basketball looks really good and I agree basketball looks good it looks pretty good with the yes. uh, the glass over the, the scores table thing is fine with me. Yeah. The spaced out bench is fine with me. The players are still yep. right there. We still see them, and you don't really yep. see fans anyway, so it looks good. I think just the vibe is going to be interesting with the sound and all that stuff. Uh, but definitely, really promising in my opinion for basketball. I'm excited to see what the real games look like. Baseball, real quick, I guess since we're here. Um, I got used to no fans. I feel like by like the second inning of the first game I watched, to be honest, like I, I didn't. It doesn't- yeah, I didn't feel weird that when they hit a foul ball that no one was there. It, you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. weird when someone hits a, f- a fly ball that could be a home run that it wasn't like, <sighs> like you know what yeah, I mean. Right. But that right. was something easier to get over for me because baseball is like a quiet game. I enjoy yeah. listening to baseball right. on the radio. So like, yeah, yeah it's it's a different thing. Um, but yeah, man, I think uh, I think I think it looks good, Dude. and I think some People no, are just I, so I excited, it, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm just like I think I'm really, I'm really just, just like looking forward, forward to just the season starting, and I and I I'm like happy that like that the games are live and everything. Yeah, I think it when I guess like it's the analysts. I think that's like the one thing where I'm like, damn, like I, I almost like feel bad because they're you can tell they're just like reaching for anything to right, like get hype about or you know talk about you know like oh hey they this guy averaged you know 10 in the scrimmage yesterday yeah like, right oh, Yeah. Shit. well I mean when <laughs> yeah, it, when it really
0: matters I hope they have more and then I also hope they uh, kind of let it breathe a little more I hope they don't try too hard to yeah. fill all the space let's hear some squeaking let's hear some mm-hmm. yelling let's hear some mellow yeah. saying I got it fuck out of here type stuff no. and have no. fun and have some fun with it um, obviously yeah. there'll be I there'll like, be I the, like the, the fair share of cutouts movie. too with the voice yeah. Yeah. somebody yeah. curses real quick phew, Quiet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> dude I, I like how they're they're putting that side that sideline camera angle yeah i think that's really really cool dude well, like, one of those videos like, legit looked, looked
0: like 2k like it was crazy looked like a dude, 2k you, commercial you
1: know, the one with uh is that the one with like chris ball yep where you're like, slinging the pass i'm like dude like that was that was so cool but like, you know like courtside, court side you know court side seats or something craziness you
2: know?
0: yeah well um i guess now it's time to talk about what's going to be happening in these games that we're so excited to see how they look how they feel how they sound and what we're going to do here on today's episode of sst is talk about the teams that have truly something to play for for these eight games all right like we could sit here and talk about the lakers and the clippers and the bucks and the raptors um but we have time for that we have eight games we have a a, a couple weeks, I think, until all these games are done and the playoffs actually start. So what we wanted to do was focus in on these teams that can really make a difference in the seeding or straight up just make the playoffs in the Western Conference more specifically. So the three sections we're going to be talking about here are the West Bubble teams, which include the Grizzlies, Blazers, and Pelicans. We uh, excluded the Sun, Spurs, uh, and Kings for now, even though they have a puncher's chance. Obviously, ours, they wouldn't be here, but we're going to focus in on the Grizzlies and Pelicans. Then to the Western standings movers, the guys who can really control seeding. That'll include the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, and Mavs. And last but not least, we'll get to the Celtics, Heat, Pacers, and Sixers, who are the Eastern seedings movers, uh, who can really you know impact who you're seeing in the first round, and more importantly, in the East, if you're on Milwaukee side of the bracket or not. So that is going to be a very interesting grouping. Uh, But without further ado, let's get to this first group, the West Bubble teams, perhaps the most uh, most interesting group because there's teams that can make the playoffs that are not currently there. And even though in the long run that may have a slighter impact because they'll be facing the Lakers no matter what, it's still going to be damn interesting for these eight games and to see possibly a healthy Blazers team, possibly Zion and the Pelicans, or a scrappy-ass Grizzlies team. Playing in the playoffs will be very exciting. So, Duff, let's go to you first. How do you want to break this down, and what are you excited to see?
2: Uh, I, we we did a quick ranking just to prep before we uh, did this part of the pod, and just kind of br- like literally typed out all of the the schedules for these teams we're going to be talking about, and kind of ranked their uh, their difficulty and strength of schedule. So, for this first group, the Grizzlies, Blazers, Pelicans the Grizzlies and the Blazers kind of have an an equally tough schedule here. Like they they both play against uh, they each play three kind of like top three standings teams. Like the Grizzlies play the Bucks, the Raptors and the Celtics. The Blazers are going to be playing against the Celtics, the Nuggets and the Clippers. Um, Those are, those are going to be really, really tough, but the, the most important game on this schedule, uh, even like Grizzlies are three and a half games up in the Blazers. Right. So, the, the most important game on both their schedules is the first game, which is head-to-head. They, they play against each other. That's really going to kind of be the tone setter because if they – if the um, Blazers lose that game, they slide to four-and-a-half back, then they don't even get the option – like that, that play-in option where if you're only, you know, four games back uh, at most, you get to have that kind of – that play-in tournament kind of vibe where they – I think they would have to beat the Grizzlies back to back and the Grizzlies would only have to win one game, um, to get into the playoffs as the eight seed. So that first game is really going to kind of tell us a lot. Uh, cause right after that, both their schedules get increasingly difficult. Um, but I, I think I'm shading towards the Blazers here, like in, in this particular matchup. And then, uh, Just just because they have playoff experience. I mean, this is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and they're getting Yusuf Nurkic back. Like, who knows how good or in great a shape he's going to be in. But, like, he effectively got an offseason to kind of get himself back in in the groove here. So, this could be, uh, like, really great timing for the Blazers. And then the Pelicans, who are also three and a half games back, the Grizzlies. They have the easiest schedule by far of all the teams we're going to be talking about today. They are going to be playing uh, – they only have one game against, like, a top three team in either conference, which is against the uh, the Clippers. Other than that, they play the Jazz, the Grizzlies, which is going to be a hugely important game. Then they the last five games they play, Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings, Magic, which is just a joke. Like, the Adam Silver is really just trying to, like, part the Red Sea for the Pelicans yeah. so they can just walk into the playoffs or at least that playing game, which, honestly, I'm not mad at it as long as Zion's playing
1: right exactly man i i i'm i'm with you on the blazers uh first game um i just think like you said like playoff experience and they're not they're not old but they're not too young either you know like i think just being able to play you know at least obviously they have their first game but playing eight games and literally being told like yo it's a win or go home essentially because you know they almost have to win out to get in and, you know, going from a team that's led by John Morant compared to a team that's led by CJ McCollum, who is just older and not like more talented, but just older and more experienced and more experienced at the big spot. It looks like they have more of a complete team. I don't know if they'll sneak in, you know, and, and overcome the three and a half at their back, but it would be nice to see. But also with the Pelicans, like they could get in also, you know, with, the, with their schedule.
2: I feel like the Blazers can at least force a playoff. And I, I like, I, I'm yeah. kind of downplaying the Grizzlies here a little bit, but because they're, because they're just so young, but to be fair, like they've essentially had an off season too. And then th- this could be like a, another, another point where they can make a big jump because they're so young where John yeah. Morant could really like, this is not like a second season. season. John Morant, yeah. You know, right. This is his second season now. Right. And same like Jaron Jackson, this isn't his, uh, is his second season. It's now his third season. Like this could be, a really, really sweet setup for them. So I'm excited to see every team in this group. I'm th- these are probably the three teams I'm honestly most excited to see when the regular season bubble hits.
0: For these yep. eight games, for sure. And real quick, the only thing that's, you know, inverse to what we just spoke about, some of those Grizzlies players and taking a leap, same for the Pelicans a little bit too, but John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, even uh, Dylan Brooks, has he played any meaningful? I'm not sure. But he, like those are the four most important players, say, right? Uh, they've never played. What about a Kyle new- Anderson? Kyle, Kyle Anderson is nice enough to join <laughs> us on the podcast, too, which Jersey is really guy. cool. Jersey, thing. Guy. <laughs> All right. Jersey guy, basketball player, Kyle Anderson, who we talk about, you'll never know. Um, they've never played a meaningful game in their lives, though. John Morant, Jaren Jackson, Brandon Clark. Who has is Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum and so on. Uh, the Pelicans obviously have the nice schedule. There's, listen to this little run for the Pelicans. They have games four through eight. Kings-Wizards-Spurs, Kings-Magic. Four games against teams, including the Kings twice, who basically have no chance to even make the playoffs. And then the Magic, who by the eighth game of this uh, system here, could know that they're locked into seven, could know that they're locked into eight, and maybe just won't care. And at that point, the Pelicans have a really crazy chance to win like six of these games. Uh, Now, Portland and Memphis have harder competition, but... You will be hard-pressed to find a performer in those three teams who can outperform Damian Lillard more than once, let alone in general. Obviously, Ja can have a big game and outperform Lillard once. Maybe Zion can do it once. He could take over a game physically. But Damian Lillard does this year in, year out. Top, I think we had him, what, top eight guy, top nine guy in the league. He's an MVP candidate year in, year out. Dame Lillard's the truth. He's legit, and he's the best player in this group by far. And the Blazers have the best odds. So if we go to DraftKings Sportsbook, where I'm just happening to get these specific odds here, um, the, Pel- the Blazers are plus 400, which is the best odds or best payout uh, to make the playoffs, with the Pelicans at plus 300 and the favorite Grizzlies at minus 140. So the Blazers, according to Vegas, have the toughest road to get there still, but according to intuition and who are the best players in, these, uh, in this team, or in these three teams subway support
2: stock team yeah
0: it's (laughs) it's it's Dame Lillard (laughs) and the Blazers so it's hard to to count them out for sure all
2: right let's uh let's move on we got we got the bubble teams done they're out of the way but let's let's talk about some we gotta we
0: don't want to like make a pick or we all is that our picks who's gonna make it 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 into like
2: we were all shading towards the Blazers all
0: right so we're all picking the Blazers to be our eight seed is that what we're doing here
2: yeah, I'll ride with the Blazers. I, I feel like I, I, I have confidence in them getting to that playing point and if yeah. and if they get there, like I really think that's going to be like a really like like a weird mentality. Official game time. Game time. Yeah, Yeah, it'll so, be it'll be for game the Grizzlies. Time. It'll be like weird for yeah. them. I feel.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm ready for the next celebration when he hits the game winner. Yes. Like, you know he had to wave. He stared into the camera the one time. So now you know it's just we're just trying to find out. I just want to be entertained, man. That's it. It would be yeah.
2: hilarious if he was like, "I'm going to Disneyland." <laughs> yeah.
1: Indeed.
0: Yeah. Well, real quick though, before we move to done. the next group though, uh, who do we want to see in that eight-one matchup with the Lakers? Like, who is a most exciting or b going to give them the toughest time? Is that also the Blazers or is it Zion's Pelicans? And I hate to even say I, it because there's think, other good players there, but, you know, let's be honest. I,
2: I think there's those are two different questions, like most exciting versus who's going to be the toughest matchup. I think the Pelicans would be the most exciting to see, like just young team in the playoffs. Like that's always exciting to me. But I think the Blazers are the toughest matchup.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair too to much, say all, all around.
2: Too much, too much firepower, man.
1: Like, you know, still having CJ and Damian Lillard is still a big deal. And then Nerf is back.
2: Right, he was ready to fight Serge Ibaka last night I don't know if <laughs> you guys saw that I loved every minute of it man loved and then he it. went right yes. back out they posted up immediately just banging into him it was great dude like
1: dove on the floor threw the ball off his foot came down scored on him I was like dude, this is like this is like Andrew Bynum Shack from like 05 I, I it. love like, oh, it man. those yeah. two guys are always getting into some shit I feel like yeah. I love like,
0: that yeah. the poor Grizzlies though man I mean they're the the favorites here
2: I, I like but I feel like this is like a win-win-win. Like, I'm not going to be upset with yeah. any of these three teams. We honest. get
0: John ja Morant, who is the rookie of the year. Don't even at me. Don't even try to debate me on that. He's the rookie don't of the year. Anyone. And don't just don't even bring it up. We get to see John ja Morant with Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark. Or we get to see Zion, Lonzo, Ingram, J.J. Redick in the playoffs, keeping the streak alive. Shout out. Or we get Dame and CJ and Nurk. Like, we're winning. Don't, no matter what, us NBA fans win this trio right now. Yep, do
2: good. we know what they're going to do if it's... It's like if, if the Blazers and Pelicans are both within four games of the Grizzlies, does it become like a I, seven, eight, nine, ten thing?
0: I'm pretty sure oh. the Blazers have like this weird record thing above like the Tiebreakers. I, I was telling you before the okay. the pod because the Blazers right, right. played two more games than the Pelicans. If they go four and four, both say right, and that puts them in the range to play the Grizzlies. The Blazers are above because they have one more win.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: even so, though they have technically, they're both the same amount of games back. It's a little tricky, but there it is.
2: That's right. I'm sure that won't piss any fans off. <laughs> All,
0: right. All right, so take us to our next one.
2: All right, let's go. Next one, we're we're going to be talking about. We're going to let's let's stick in the West here, and we're going to be talking about uh, just kind of some seeding, some seeding changes that might be made here. So we're looking at really between three. Three, like three through seven, you know, like it is separated by uh four games, which is not gonna, you know, no one's gonna jump from seven to three in an eight-game sample, but someone could easily jump from four to three, from from seven to six, from seven to four. Like, there's only three uh I'm sorry, two and a half games separating the Mavs and the Jazz. That's four through seven right there. So this is gonna be Kind of, this could be like extremely fun to watch. Like if this guy totally shaken up, like I'm I'm all for it. Like I, I like that seatings aren't set yet. I because that's kind of like why we're not talking about the, the championship contenders quite yet. Because like who knows who's going to take a trip to Magic City for some wings? Who knows like what the seating is going to be? All oh, yeah. that type <laughs> of stuff. Like so did, so that's.
1: Did you see that? Did you see that? Lou Will actually has his own wings. Yeah. Magic yes. Party? Yeah, I love it, dude. Bro, that's he's amazing. he's been on
0: multiple flex. interviews talking about how that's like his favorite restaurant.
1: Dude, lemon pepper, and I was like, you know, recently I was like, dude, like, oh yeah, Magic City, best wings, and I was like, yeah, wait, yo, this man has his own wings at the at the strip club. I was like, oh, this dude's a legend, like, <laughs> yeah. If you ever watch,
0: if you ever watch the show Atlanta, have you guys yo, ever yeah. seen it on FX? There's an yeah, yeah, episode yeah. where they cover. The lemon pepper or right oh, is it yes. that? is it is it like is it ghost lemon pepper or is it just lemon pepper i forget but there's an episode where those wings put not those yeah. obviously magic city wings but basically same concept they have yeah. a big role in an episode of atlanta and it's a fantastic episode oh. I, just, I just need to say it, for anybody episode? who gets is it that the episode where know. they
2: go to the strip club i think so yes wow it, was that I'm magic city sure it might be based
0: yeah, off of it because it's like all bizarro world type stuff in that show sometimes but I'm
1: pretty sure he like didn't have like any money to like right right well
2: <laughs> yeah and then like he had to switch it out for the funny money yeah it's like this whole <laughs> weird episode where he's like trying to flex and spend money and like yeah. everywhere he goes he can't spend anything and he's freaking yeah, he can't out afford it. <laughs> exactly yeah oh, what a all good right, shot right, let's uh <laughs> all right yeah, yeah. back to back to the issue at hand here all right so We got some seeding that might shuffle around here. And obviously, like, it it only matters for matchup. Like, home court doesn't exist anymore. Uh, So, in terms of strength of schedule, the way we kind of plotted it out, the Nuggets, they're the only team in this group that's playing against, like, three what we consider to be level one teams that are, are, you know, top three in either conference. They got the they're finishing off games six, seven and eight against the Lakers Clippers and Raptors, which could be good um, if they're locked they in. Only, if
0: those teams are locked in, it could be better for them than worse. Just remember that.
2: Good point. Good point. Yeah. If they're locked into whatever seed they're going to be in, then they, they might just rest people. So that's a great point. Um, and they only got one game against like what we would consider kind of like more of a layup, like a, like a Spurs. So that's who they're playing against. Um, and the easiest team, who do we have here? Oh, it was the Mavs at seven. So, wow, some really, really like, you know, some three games against, we would consider bottom teams in the Suns, the Kings, and then the Suns again, and only two games against uh, the Clippers and the Bucs would be, like, level one difficulty. Every other team in this grouping is playing at least two games against those level one teams. Uh, so I, I got a couple quick questions for you like one who do you think has is most likely to kind of make some noise and really like take a run at moving up or down the seating in this kind of weird aau tournament style basketball and then uh the other thing is like is there any matchup here like these these are going to be teams that are potentially playing against each other when the playoffs come so what matchup would, would you like to see the most from this grouping of teams so, Pete, what do you what do you think? So, first, who do you think is more likely to move? And then, two, what's the matchup that you're looking forward to, hopefully?
0: I uh, I said this to Kyle before we started recording, and it's kind of a typical answer for me here, but I'll, I'll say it because of this. The Rockets are very interesting to me because they are basically Sixers West. They're just forever interesting, and you never know what the hell you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get greatness or can't hit a shot to save their lives. They have a chance. I reluctantly
2: agree with you on that one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you'll allow it. Um, they have a weird chance to kind of control who they play by winning or losing. It, it's kind of a weird situation for them where, you know, they they probably don't want to play the Nuggets, right? Let's be honest with that. But with the Jazz or the Thunder or the Mavs for some reason, if that could happen like that, they probably feel pretty damn good, right? They probably would say Nuggets would be the hardest, Mavs might be the second hardest for them, and then Thunder, then Jazz. They own the Jazz. So my guess is they really, really want to get into that 4-5 matchup. And uh, that's why I think they're super interesting. And, of course, Mavs-Rockets is their first game, both of them. So off the jump, that's exciting. And I just think Harden and Westbrook have the highest variance in this grouping here where they can look fantastic, they can look terrible. And it all comes down to if, if Harden's making shots and if Russ is making good decisions. If those two things are happening, they can find themselves in a four seed relatively easily because the Jazz don't have Bogdanovich, and the Thunder have been so clutch all year, if luck you know, flips on them a little bit, they may not be winning as many games as we, it was, we would expect. And I could see the Rockets moving to four here.
1: Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you, actually. And I, I think that the Rockets, I think since they're playing so many games within probably a day or two, I think that benefits the Rockets so much just because teams now can't defensively uh, strategize to defend Harden now as opposed to, you know, say if it's a, a series and say this is the postseason, we're starting a to postseason today with these eight, you know, you're going to have, you know, this is sometimes why Harden kind of gets criticized in a postseason a little bit is because teams strategize and they, you know, find a way to stop them or, or, you know, make them kick the ball, whatever it is. They force the other guys to beat them. Right. Now they have to, I mean, you you can't strategize, you know, for seven games now. It is almost like it is just when you're eight, you know, or like we were talking about before, like some teams are not going to want to be in certain positions because of matchups or who they have or haven't beaten in the in the regular season. So I think that, you know, a team like, like them that's like really streaky is gonna make you know, could potentially make a big run and like, you know, mess around and get in the finals
2: if high variance.
1: You know, right. And it's it's the whole it's it's Dan Tony, man. Like it's just his offense is could potentially put them in in the conference finals and come down, whatever.
2: All right. So one one thing about the Rockets is they actually only play one one game against this group of teams we're talking about. And that's that first game against the Mavs that you were saying. Whereas someone like the, the team, like the Thunder, they play against the Jazz, the Nuggets, and uh, I thought there was one. Oh, oh, maybe it was the Jazz I was looking at. They play against the the Thunder, the Nuggets, and the Mavs, excuse me. So the, the Jazz have like kind of control of their own destiny here where they can either jump up or create some separation between these teams. So I think – like, the, I, I really think the Jazz have the most opportunity to create separation just from a sheer mathematical standpoint. But who I'm kind of hoping moves up is the Mavericks because I don't give them much of a chance against the Clippers. And I wouldn't give them – you know, they're very unlikely to move down. But I, I don't give them much chance against the Clippers. And I like their, their odds a lot better against any other team in the middle of this pack here. And the so the matchup I'm kind of hoping – uh hoping happens here is that we'll get the mavs nuggets in the first round i hope they can move up one spot above the rockets or or the thunder whatever the case may be uh because i think that'd just be a sick first round matchup honestly yeah. Like I, I i would rather see the mavericks personally against a a team that they have like a, well, chance, yeah. have a legitimate shot against yeah rather than like no i think rockets clippers like I would say the Rockets actually have a decent shot there. I think they would actually have a better shot than the Mavs. Um, even though I feel like the Mavs have a decent chance of moving up ahead of the Rockets. It's kind of like a weird well, weird matchup like math game going on. Let
0: me let me ask you guys this, because <clears throat> all of these teams have pretty predominant stars, right? So the Nuggets have Jokic and Murray with some nice talent around them. The Jazz have Mitchell and Gobert with some nice talent around them, minus no Bogdanovich. minus Bogdanovich, of course. Thunder have the three-headed monsters, CP, Shea, and Dennis Ruder with Steven Adams and some other guys. Um, Rockets obviously have Westbrook Harden, and the Mavs have Luka and Porzingis. So out of those groupings, is there one unit, and maybe leave Westbrook and Harden out just because we talk about them so much, is there one grouping there, Kyle, that like really excites you and think that you could see them carrying a team to multiple wins in this eight or maybe a first-round win?
1: Um, I was no, no joke. I was actually going to ask you guys that, but the Mavs, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's either the Mavs or the Thunder. And I think that the Thunder are really going to fly under the radar just because, you know, I, the, the roster isn't, you know, it's the it's the argument that we had about the Thunder before the season started. We're like, what do they have to offer for this season? You know, they're they're probably going to win 20, 25, 30 games. They're not going to make the playoffs. But the Thunder just seem like they just find a way to win. And they're tough. They play defense. They're long. Like, I, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be either the Thunder, the Mavs, are two teams that I think that could sneak – like, be really sneaky and make a run. And, you know, be a – night just be a nightmare for matchups. You know, I think – For the Mavs in that seven spot, like you're saying, Duff, like them playing the the Clippers, like I just think the Clippers are just too, too athletic and too physical for them.
2: And too experienced.
1: Right. And too experienced. Like I just, I think that their best spot is probably getting that five or six spot and trying to compete there and, you know, just, just slugging it out. And yeah we- everyone's
2: praying for to be part of that four or five matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you said about the Thunder where they they could kind of have like in this compressed schedule they they might have a little bit of an advantage here not having the total superstar like that really needs to carry the load like one game it could be you know Chris Paul who goes off another game is Danilo Gallinari another game Shea gives us Alexander has like a crazy triple double like and they can kind of do it by committee. Yeah. And but but I like what you said about the Mavs and for the same reason we were talking about the young players kind of making a leap with the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, Porzingis. Porzingis had four months here of more rest, recovery, kind of getting his body right. Like he was he was fairly consistent during the season, like kind of had some high spots, low spots, in and out. Like now, now is his chance to really – I feel like he's a huge X factor in this group of teams here. Him and Doncic I think could be like crazy lethal pick and roll. Thanks. Yes, what's
0: so weird is like the Nuggets have the best chance to be the three seed, right? I think we could all accept that. Who do you want to see at six? If you're the Nuggets, like you don't want the Rockets because it's not a good matchup for them. you probably don't want the Mavs because of their offensive upside. Like they can run and score with the Nuggets, but the thunder are no joke. Like if you're the Nuggets, you might be looking at the jazz as your favorite opponent right now, but it's such a hard thing to get to uh, in this scenario. The Nuggets really have to like, Nut up here because yeah. last year their performance performance against the Spurs in the playoffs was uninspiring despite winning. Their performance against against the Blazers was uninspiring despite Murray and Jokic having many moments where they looked really really good in the playoffs. They were kind of uninspiring in the playoffs, so it is really important for them to whoever they play. I think they're praying it's not the Rockets first, and they'll take anyone else but they really need to show something here or else they're going to be pigeonholed as that regular season only team like the Raptors were for so many years and until Jokic and Murray and you know whoever it is, Bol Bol, Porter Jr., uh, Jeremy Grant, uh, Will Barton, whoever it is for them who needs to step up needs to do it this year or else you're pigeonholed as a loser or a choke artist. Like Harden is, you know, like a, a bunch of teams have been over Take the years over the and you don't want to be that. You don't want to be stuck in that cycle because then you know Jamal Murray gets upset wants a trade Jokic is like you know he doesn't see neither of them seem like that type of guy but you never know and you don't want to get to that point so uh, the Nuggets eight games is probably less interesting than the rest of this group but what they do after those eight games is incredibly important and god forbid they have a first-round exit that's going to be a rough look for the boys
2: and uh what just one more thing about the Nuggets quick before we move on uh to a team that we're going to be talking about A, a comparison with the Sixers I was just thinking about is like you know, everyone talks about Sixers, such a home court dominant team. Well, you know, in this neutral floor, how they're going to perform? Like the other, like just geographically, the Nuggets kind of have a significant advantage at home because of the altitude they play at and how they're used to it. Like now, everyone is playing at sea level. Like I, I know it sounds like weird, but it, like historically, the Nuggets just as a franchise have an insane home court advantage. Yes. and the same thing with the with the Jazz. Like I really. This is gonna sound stupid, but I really think that might play a factor. And I I uh I'm curious to see how it plays out. They and wear teams, that I've seen it. I've seen it happen with the Sixers, I've seen it happen with a bunch of teams where I've seen it happen with the Lakers where like in the fourth quarter they just gas out. have this extra gear that other teams they just kind of like will blow leads or won't be able to hang around the nuggets extent. Like that stuff happens. If you watch them enough, you really will start to notice it.
0: Yeah, and, and because it's a buzz topic before we move to the next group. It's a buzz topic. I don't know exactly how much it's going to matter just yet, if at all. I could see it being that this guy doesn't even play for the Nuggets, but Bol, Bol obviously had been making waves in these exhibitions, right? Can we see him making an impact in these actually mattering games and then onto the playoffs? Because, you know, the block and the pull-up three were real cute, but, you know, if that doesn't go his way in a playoff series, I could see him finding himself on the bench and being a garbage time guy or a quick, you know, six minute, five minute spark plug guy, any chance Bull Bull makes a real impact in this uh, Orlando thing going on?
1: I, I think, I think Jokic is really helping him out a lot. He's setting him up for a lot of, a lot of opportunities, at least in these scrimmages that we've watched. He's really been given a lot of opportunities to kind of just play free and cut off a of Jokic when Jokic gets the ball. And obviously Jokic is probably the best passing big in the league. So he's able to find him. And then on top of that, he like Bobo is talented, you know, skillfully. Like he he's grabbing rebound, going up to court and pulling up three, you know, for three. And, you know, I think obviously it's also scrimmages. And, you know, it's we have a really, really small sample size right now. But I think if you're the if you're Malone, like you're you're like, dude, like, I gotta try it out because I'm the three seed, you know, I, I I'm the three seed. I can do this on a, you know, interval, you know, time slot, you know, say two minutes in yeah, three, incremental, you know, right. And just try and like, just give small sample sizes and get ball ball out and, you know, bring in the next guy. Like they have him playing a small forward at seven, three, which is insane. <laughs> you know? so yeah,
0: It's actually like kind of hilarious that's a nightmare.
1: <laughs> you know, you, I feel like, like he is a basketball coach. If I don't put him on the floor at some point, just to see what, how he does. Then I'm I'm doing my team. Like if he he
0: responds and makes plays, like he could swing a game. He might only need eight minutes in a game to, to make a legitimate impact. But the one thing I'll say is if there's more bull bull minutes than Michael Porter jr minutes, I'll be upset. I need some MPJ out there.
2: Strongly. The the other thing about bull bowl is I think matchup is going to be important. Matchups are going to be important. Like, like their first games against the heat, like, he's got a significant height advantage on someone like Bam Adebayo, but like Bam Adebayo is so much stronger and more nimble. Shoulder and to the sternum. Like, exactly. <laughs> like I like if they get in a matchup against like Rudy Gobert or Steven Adams, like I, I like obviously probably Jokic is going to be the one matching up with those guys and matching minutes. But like, that's, you think about in crunch time, like, I don't, like, he's going to get posted up and put in the dungeon if he's going against guys like that. Whereas, like, if it's the Rockets or the Mavs, like, I, I don't know. Like, Porzingis has kind of got to prove it. Rockets obviously have no one who can match up. Mm-hmm.
0: PJ Tucker, all, all six, six of them can't guard up uh, Bobo.
2: <laughs> Honestly, yeah, PJ Tucker, like, that's like trying to, f- like, fight a fire hydrant. So, <laughs> I could see it. I could see oh. it actually being a bad matchup again for <laughs> Bulbul. He's so skinny, man guards everybody
0: <laughs> that's hilarious all right duff bring us to our last one
2: all right last one here the eastern standing movers this same thing uh except we we have uh one one fewer team we got three through six we got the celtics the heat the pacers the sixers and if you're wondering how many games back they are they're they're all within four and a half games of each other but the real grouping is four through six the heat are 12 games back and i'm just doing this based off of uh, t- compared to the number one seed. So the Heat are 12 games back, Pacers, Sixers, both 14 games back. Pacers have some kind of tiebreaker, so they're the five seed. Um, in terms of strength to schedule, the Heat had the toughest schedule going into this. They got four of those uh, those rank one games. That's, you know, against, again, top three team in either conference. They got the Nuggets, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks, Uh, whereas no other team has more than two. They have four. No other team in this grouping has more than two. Uh, the only other team that has two are the Celtics. They go against the Bucks and the Raptors. And the Pacers and Sixers both have fairly easy schedules, the Sixers having the easiest. And they play uh, – the Pacers have three games against kind of gimme teams and the Wizards, the Magic, and the Suns. And the Sixers got the Spurs, Wizards, Magic, and Suns and only one game against the Raptors. And uh, the Pacers have one game against the Lakers. forgot to mention that. And uh, any other team that we're leaving out here is either – like. Uh, a a team of similar grouping that's basically like four through eight or something like that we also considered the Grizzlies Pelicans and Blazers to be part of that grouping too so just kind of like uh middle of the road quote unquote I mean everyone's a playoff team essentially but like for right the Wizards Magic and
0: Nets are not the same group as the Pacers and Sixers for that matter we are not the same (laughs) yeah let me let me say this off the jump uh to jump in here quick I just want to throw this out there. Don't sleep on the Magic. I I think the Magic have this... No, just Mario
2: Hazzonia hour, bro? No,
0: come on, come on now. He's on the Blazers, bro. He's going to... You might still get minutes for the Blazers. And
2: then uh, whatever the other guy you like, whose name I, I...
0: Oh, Evan Fournier—he's not my guy. Yeah, he's not my guy. I mean, he got—he got a bucket, but whatever. I'm just saying, (laughs) the the magic, uh, the magic have a team of really good defenders. I mean, Fultz and Mark Carter Williams, who is like the bane of my existence—they're both really good defenders. DJ Augustine's a good vet. Uh, You got Isaac. You got um, Terrence Ross. You got Vucevic. Like, you got. Wait, is Vucevic hurt? Mobamba
2: Mo Bamba doesn't look like Skeleton anymore. Jonathan
0: Isaac, like, this team scraps. And when the game slows down, that's how they like to play. So I'm just saying, like, for the Pacers and the Sixers playing the Magic, like, you would not be shocked if they dropped a the game to them. I'm just throwing it out there.
2: I will say the Sixers do not do well in Orlando. They, they don't. I've well, seen that's them. That's not a good games for Orlando this entire. No, no, you know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> on the road against the Magic is what, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Of course. All right, um, but again, I right, I'm posing the same question, you guys. Like who who do you think is gonna most likely to kind of move up, move down? Who do you who can you see being a big mover in either direction and of this grouping, like what what matchup would you like to see most in the first round? Uh I
1: think I wanna see uh these matchups that are currently as it is right now. You like ma as is. You like as is uh, okay Celtic Sixers and the Heat and Pacers. I think two gritty like but talented matchups like it's not like a it's not like a backyard brawl but it's like a skilled backyard brawl you know what I mean like Celtics against Sixers you know uh, Jason Tatum you know Kemba against you know Embiid and Ben Simmons and that matchup and you got Jimmy Butler against the Pacers with Zabonis bonus and and uh in
2: deep, oh. Sabonis
0: is actually out, by the way. We I forgot to mention that. Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. He, he's out I'm for sorry. now, at
0: least. He's maybe not out for the whole thing, but he's at least out for now.
2: Oh, I missed that. What happened with that?
0: A foot injury. He left the bubble. Yeah,
2: he left. I forgot foot,
0: foot's that. dangerous or a big too. You never know. I mean, he's a great. He's yeah. a great player, Demontis Sabonis. No. Uh, dude, that's
1: those are like just gritty, like tough like first round it, and it's a t- I feel like you could flip a coin for
2: some of those you know I mean for both of those yeah especially with no home court and the fact yeah.
0: the fact that the right. Pacers are even here right now is pretty crazy because Depot wasn't playing the whole season then wasn't himself when he was back now you got Brogdon you got Sabonis and Turner and you got some nice little players there um but I mean Old Depot's back but now they lose Sabonis. it's tough for them but the fact that they're here Right now, in this uh, spot in the standings, is impressive nonetheless. Like they are proving time and again that they can deal with injuries, they can scrap, and they can play with just about anybody. Um, One thing, one question for both of you guys here, and Duff, I'll go to you first is the Sixers and the Celtics are obviously, if they're, you know, going to finish the way they're currently constituted, that would have them on the non Buck side of the bracket, right? The 3 6. That's a huge win if you get through the first round. But if you're the Sixers, would you rather not be on the Buck side of the bracket and play the Celtics in the first go-round, or would you rather not play the Celtics in the first round and then maybe see the Bucks round too?
2: I would rather play against the Celtics in the first round. If the alternative is likely to be like we move, we jump the Pacers, and then we end up being the 5-seed and we play the Heat in the first round. Heat, do those weird defensive zone matchups like that that are not good for the Sixers in terms of uh, their weak outside shooting. So. I would rather play against the Celtics in the first round because I think there's a clear adva- – like, Joel Embiid has a clear advantage uh, to dominate in the post against against the Celtics in that type of matchup. So, that's what I want to go with. Plus, Kemba Walker, like, who knows what's going on with his knee. Like, he might just have arthritis. Like, it, it's four months later, and it hasn't gotten yeah. any better. So, I would prefer to just kind of play against – like, take the six. We'll play against the Celtics in the first round. And then we're not on the same side of the bracket as the as the Bucks. So there's a there's an easier path, quote unquote easier path to the uh conference finals. That's my personal opinion as a fan, especially when home court like if home court mattered, I'd be like, fuck, we need to get the four seed and get like home court in the first round at least. Like, Jesus. Now it doesn't really matter. So I I, I think it's just all matchup based. I like I would like them to stay where they're at.
1: Yeah, man, I, I agree. I think I would I would definitely take the Celtics first over, you know, seeing the Bucs second round and, and just – this is a team that you've played against, you know, millions of times. You both know each other. You're very familiar, obviously, in the same division. I It's kind of, you know, it's almost going to be like, you know, me and mine against you and yours. So it's, it's just a tough – like what I said before, it's just a toss-up toughness about, you know, who's going to execute, who's going to hit big shots. And the only thing I'm worried about with the Sixers is just their outs- – like you mentioned, the outside shooting. Like, I, I I still, to this day, like, I wish they didn't let go of J.J. Redick. I wish they kept J.J. Redick. And I think that he's one of the biggest missing pieces on that team where if they kept him on the team, that would have opened everything up. And obviously you now have a threat to shoot. And I think that teams are going to – probably going to try and pack it in, especially if – but. I was gonna say, especially if Ben isn't Ben Simmons isn't shooting, but in the scrimmages, he's a couple
2: corner threes. It looks like he's hitting some threes. He's so trying. He's plan, trying. Forward, power he, forward, forward yeah, hey man, this before. we saw him do this oh, in the no, 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 no. He's tri-
0: he's trying. He's trying. You got to give it to him. He's trying this time. Uh, yeah, he's he's trying
2: sports, in exhibition the same
1: thing. You know that that's like that's awesome. Like I I I'm, I like commend him almost like a sports go see a sports psychologist to you know really improve your game. So.
0: Yeah. That's that's acceptance right there, right? Uh, How to fix a problem. Um, Also, real quick with the Sixers on the Ben Simmons front, having these games against the Spurs, Wizards, and Magic in their first four, especially, you know, that's a really good opportunity to test out Ben Simmons as the short roller. See if Shake Milton can handle this uh, spotlight that he's going to be in, and and really see how this new, you know, setup that Brett Brown's talking about is going to work out. They have the luxury of really testing it and leaning into it and giving it a real go rather than going right into super important games where they're gonna revert back to what they've done for the past couple seasons.
2: I'm excited for it. All I'm right so
0: so uh I think that's I think that's that's pretty much it. We have any any last words for this this uh this little grouping here?
2: No. Uh, I, can't wait. I mean I think the Celtics are squarely gonna be in third for for, yeah, for sure, for sure. My prediction is that either it doesn't change at all this this ranking or the Sixers jump the Pacers and end up in the first.
0: Yeah, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, but we'll see what happens if the teams now look at that and say, you know, I'd rather be not on the Bucs side. Let me maybe just blow this game against the Raptors and the Rockets yep. and we'll hang out just like that. Bada boom, bada bing. Yep. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Sit
2: them down.
0: We'll see what happens there. I'm, I'm so excited, though, guys. This is a great episode. Shout out to Frank. We miss him. Um, great stuff, as always. The NBA Outsiders on. sport. Uh, oh, Sharks. I almost just said Sportsbook New York. On Subway Sports Talk, that's it. Um, so, real quick, Kyle, any last words for the Subway Sports Talk podcast?
1: Um, I think this is going to be, you know, obviously one of the most unique, you know, postseasons we've ever seen, obviously. But I think it's going to be one of the most exciting just because we have so many young players that are on their, on their way up. And some guys that are kind of like in the middle of their career. And a guy like, say, LeBron, that's kind of on his way out. And we're able to literally sit home and do nothing and just watch, back, watch sports. Hell you know, yeah. and, and and basketball, specifically, in our case. So I'm just – I'm really looking forward to it. And, um, you know, may the best man win. You know, I think it's it's going to be wide open. I think it's going to be more wide open tonight than we think. I think it's going to be way more competitive, you know, as far as who's going to be in the final.
2: I uh I think like you said there's just you just kind of we're kind of just like talking shit out here like we're just kind of blowing smoke at our ass like honestly yeah. like who knows like who might get like god forbid someone gets infected like this is like a serious disease someone who like who knows what could happen with these players like we think of them as invincible but you never know and uh and we saw what happened with the Marlins this week where they they were the whole team is basically Oof. shut down. They had like 14 positive cases. So like who the hell knows what's gonna happen? But I'm excited to see it. I think it's gonna be pretty evenly matched. I like that everyone's playing in the same place and basically staying in the same type of places. So I'm really excited for it. And one thing I've been I, I wanted to kind of just share this with you because I thought it was so fascinating. Um I, we've hit the point in quarantine where i'm just so so bored that i'm actually reading books wow so i started reading this book called uh the breaks of the games by dave halverstrom it was uh it's it's about the blazers in the 1979 80 season Bill Walton? so it's actually the first season he's not there okay and he ends up leaving in the off season he goes to the san diego clippers Oof. uh so so he does that and There was one thing I read in the book that I just thought was really, really interesting. And it was like a weird fun fact that i had never heard before. So there's this guy, uh, Irv Levine. He is the owner of the Celtics in the late 70s, mid to late 70s. And he decides, he's a West Coast guy. He's like, I want to go back out to the West Coast. I want to own a team in the West Coast. So what does he do? He gets the other owners together and he makes a pitch to them. And he says, hey, me and the owner of the Buffalo Braves want to trade franchises. So he swaps franchises. He swaps the Celtics for the Buffalo Braves, Whoa. and then moves them from Buffalo to San Diego, and they become the Clippers. Wow! Wow! That just blew my mind when I read that, and it was like one sentence in the book. It was like, it was like, oh yeah, this guy <laughs> traded franchises. It was like, <laughs> 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 we're not gonna talk about, about this. No. <laughs> If you, if you think about that now, it just blow. It, it blew my mind. Like that could obviously never happen now. And like basketball was, yeah. the NBA was so different back then. The, the the value of the franchise is so different. It was like a hobby for those guys. And now they're like so highly sought after and coveted that they're being bought and sold for billions and billions of dollars. So
0: I wish Steve Ballmer can trade for the Knicks.
2: Me too. It'd be interesting. <laughs> it's just interesting to see how, like how far we've come in, in uh, 40 years, that's, how different the league is.
0: That's a great nugget right there, Duff. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. For real. I have, I have a couple last words too. First and foremost, you mentioned the COVID stuff with the Marlins and baseball, obviously now a little on edge, but uh first, I just need to say shout out to Adam silver. I mean, a leader who is willing to speak out loud to multiple different people about issues, about plans, about hopes, about worries. And, be a, a sole leader in a movement that obviously many people are working on, but for him to navigate this and put people at ease and make us feel pretty confident that the NBA is going to figure this thing out and do it right. Shout out to him. And then lastly, this is a call to action. I think the NBA should get some wings catered from Magic City, for the people in the bubble, a re- real morale boost before the season starts. And I, right. can't, I can't imagine after Lou is hyping him up that anyone could be disappointed with
2: that right why not why not That's a real if you're the lakers you can't eat those wings you just can't nope, you can't no, do yeah.
1: it. definitely throwing in throwing in some kind
2: of poison laxative. somebody <laughs> somebody's getting
0: sick from those wings uh, we don't know oh, who I it's gonna hear, be
2: yo speaking of like laxative in the wings i hope we get some like some cool like prank stories that the, these teams are staying in the same hotels oh, with each man. other like that would be so fun. Like yes. people throwing water balloons down into other rooms. Some some ding-dong ditching people. Putting like ominous – just
0: putting ominous notes it's, on people's doors and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: you just like – you send the 12th man. You send the 12th man on your team. Like you know you're playing against the Lakers the next day. Just send him over to LeBron's room and start banging on the door <laughs> like 3 o'clock in the morning. Just start screwing with people like – Real AAU be so vibes fun out to here. start hearing – yeah, I know. That would be so fun to start hearing stuff yeah, like that. That's
1: like, like they're all – they're living in an adult dorm right now. They're Serious, dude you
0: know, going nuts. The AAU and college vibes must be super real right now. It's going to be so exciting. Well, anyways, gentlemen, thank you as always for joining me here. Us three, the NBA Outsiders, minus Frank Filani. But for Carl Anderson, for John Lucas Duffy, my name is Peter Kennedy. Thank you all for listening. As always, Subway Sports Talk. Follow on Twitter, TLK, and follow on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. Much appreciated. The first week response on Instagram was spectacular. Just need to say thank you again for all the shares, all the likes, all the comments, DMs, all that stuff. It was just freaking amazing, and I'm, I'm, I'm humbled, I'm overwhelmed, uh, and I know I'm speaking for all of us when I say that, so shouts to you. And uh, let us know what you like, what you want to hear more of. We're going to be back with some more stuff, obviously, all over this NBA situation, back with baseball, football around the corner. Keep an eye out for some Jamal Adams takes on the Instagram. And we're here, baby, Subway Sports Talk. That's what it's all about. So signing out. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Have a great day and enjoy that bubble basketball, baby.